Hi, friends. This is uh, Derek Sweatman here from Atlanta Christian Church. Thanks for listening in. Um, this intro here, I'm going to read the scripture for you. We do our services on Zoom live every Sunday, and someone else reads the text, so it's hard to hear it uh, through the recording. And so uh, here we go. I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 5 and 12 through 17 from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret place, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I pray you enjoy today's message and you are encouraged by it. Grace and peace. Thank you, Joel, for reading our passage for today. Uh, good morning again to everyone. Um, as we tried to watch earlier in the service, I know the video cut off, so we'll send it out in the uh, church newsletter so you can see the whole thing because it's just too good. Uh, but it's, you know, Bob Dylan was just known for his ability and his skill at just avoiding journalists' questions about his music, about his life, about the things that he, you know, that were personal to him. Uh, if there's ever a, a living textbook in how to remain unknowable, it's Dylan. And we still don't really know everything about him or anything about him. We have his lyrics, uh, which are codified and uh, <laughs> Nobel Prize winning lyrics. But do we really know who he is? I have this book called Essential Interviews. I showed a picture of that earlier in the service. Uh, but it's just a collection of the transcripts of all his interviews from the mid-60s all the way through 2011, I think. I'll have to look. Uh, but in one part of the introduction, there's a quotation from Bob Dylan himself that uh, he says this, I don't think I'm tangible to myself. I mean, I think one thing today and I think another thing tomorrow. I change during the course of the day. I wake up and I'm one person. And when I go to sleep, I know for certain I'm somebody else. I don't know who I am most of the time. And it doesn't even matter to me. I mean, what a textbook. And just remaining elusive and secretive, even to yourself. I mean, not even to be able to know who you, who you are uh, personally is just such an interesting thing. When my kids were young, and, and you know this as a parent, but you also know this if you just have deep friendships with people that you've known for many, many years, uh, or just family members at that. But when my kids were young, I would, you know, I would go into their room and say something like, hey, look, I know that you think we're mad at you. And they would say, how did you know that? 
and as a parent, I just, you know, just a pro tip, it was nice to sort of hold those cards close uh, because what power, I mean, what power is it to th- that your kids think that you could read their minds, at least for a little while? Uh, how did you know that about me? How did you know that that's what I was thinking? And this whole issue of no- being known and knowing others uh, is such an interesting is such an interesting thing and a part of life. And the church season that we're in right now is called Epiphany. And like the word itself, it's this season of discovery, this season of waking up uh, to God's presence in our lives and in our world. It's a season of uh, knowing. And the scriptural passages given for each uh, of the Sundays during Epiphany are fashioned really to awaken us to a new awareness of God, a new knowability uh, of God. It's a season to practice opening our eyes again and again and again and becoming uh, more and more uh, connected to the presence of God in our lives and in our world. And I would say that one of the most powerful epiphanies for each of us is the one where we wake up to the all-surpassing knowledge that God has of us, of how much God knows us. I mean, we know this. I mean, if God is real, then certainly he knows everything about us, but we still have to wake up to that uh, throughout our lives. It's this epiphany of finding out that no matter how guarded of a life that I try and live, there's just no corner of my existence where God isn't present. And so our text today uh, takes us into such an epiphany. Uh, And this one is from uh, the Psalms, and it's such a beautiful text. I want to point out Uh, just a few things in this psalm and then offer some thoughts on uh, a way forward in light of what we reflect on today. First, the psalms themselves are not doctrinal statements. They are prayers and songs uh, of people. And by the days of Jesus, the psalms were, quote, in print uh, pretty much as we have them today, and they functioned as Israel's common prayer book and hymnal for personal and corporate worship. That's kind of what they were used for. And these psalms were written by people who were voicing their thoughts and their frustrations and their fears and even their joys and angers to God. They are deeply, deeply theological in nature, meaning they are 100% centered on the thoughts and the words that these writers have about God. Just an inside tip, that's what the word theology means. It's a compound Greek word, Theos, Logos, meaning the words about God. And in some cases, like in our psalm today, they read like personal discoveries of the divine. And if there's a primary theme in our psalm today, it's this. You know me. You know me. Uh, Just take some time this week and go back and underline the word know or any phrase uh, that describes God's knowledge of the writer and his awakening to that. Verse after verse after verse, the writer gives voice to God's all-surpassing and unavoidable knowledge of his personal life. That includes his thoughts, his actions, his questions, his fears, his discussions, his frustrations, all of those things. Everything about the writer is known by God. Now, the church has historically made the mistake of using such language as a means of control over someone's life. Not unlike the cultural teaching that Santa uh, is also watching and keeping score and making decisions about how much joy you deserve based on your day-to-day goodness or badness. So we're, we're familiar with this idea. And such a teaching is used 
to simply make people behave. And the church has made the mistake throughout its history of using such truths about God, his all-surpassing knowledge of us, to control people's behavior. Now, the problem is I can't find this approach in the Bible uh, of God being this lifeguard with a whistle. Uh, I don't see that in the Bible. Now, in the psalm, however, the result of God's all-surpassing knowledge of the writer is different. God's deep knowledge of the writer does not result in abandonment, but in more closeness. That's key. The writer is learning of God's grace in his closeness. And one of the things that we learn from this is the more comfortable we get in recognizing that, look, God already knows us through and through. And the more we realize that, the more we recognize two things, uh, and we experience two things, that God remains with us. He doesn't go anywhere. And number two, we learn more about God's grace in our lives. Now, as far as being known, we don't really like that that much. I mean, we don't always like being known, at least not that much. Uh, Being fully known is not always easy for us. And most of us have just a few people in our lives that we would say really know everything about us. And that's fine. It's not the, the world's uh, the the world's privilege is not to know everything about you, uh, but it's nice to have those people in our lives that do. And that kind of knowledge over our personal selves, our personal lives, experiences, stories, it can be unsettling. It's a it's a it's at its root an issue of trust, of letting people of trusting people with your stories, um, and that's understandable because people aren't always good with that kind of information. But with God, it's different. God remains with us, irrespective of what he knows about us. Let me say that again. God remains with us, irrespective of what he knows about us. And if we can wake up to that, if we can embrace that reality, then some pretty remarkable things can happen. Now, let me leave you with this. The lifelong practice, and it is a lifelong practice, this journey with Jesus is not a static relationship. It takes all the days that we have. Um, The lifelong practice of embracing and accepting uh, God's knowledge of us has some pretty significant outcomes. And I would say the most important being the ability to practice grace in our own lives. We'll actually reflect on this a little bit next Sunday as well. But let me just say this. The more that we are in touch with God's all-surpassing presence, in our lives, and the more that we learn of God's mercy and grace over us within that presence, the more likely we are to practice such things in our day-to-day connections with others. So simply put, the more familiar I get with how God loves me and how God embraces who I am, all of me, all of the time, um, the more apt I am to uh, practice that in my relationships with others. Now, frighteningly, the opposite is also quite possible, um, that we would close ourselves off to the grace of God, that we wouldn't allow God close. Again, he already knows all about us, but we, we, we can live lives in a way that uh, pretends that we're keeping things from God, that we're hiding parts of our lives from God, And the more we do that, the more we imagine that God doesn't need to be that close to us, uh, and the more that we 
practice that kind of life, the less in touch we are with the grace of God. Because, see, it goes together. The closer God um, is to us, and he's always close to me, just, but our knowledge of that, our awakening, our epiphany of that, the more that we embrace his closeness to us and allow ourselves to be fully known to God, the more we experience what grace looks like. But if I put a wall up between me and God in that respect, and I, I, it's hard for me to practice grace because I'm becoming less and less familiar with it myself. This is often described in the Bible as, quote, the hardening of the heart, this slow process of turning away from my own brokenness, um, which is a dishonesty, and then also the brokenness of other people. So there are two things here. One is that we're learning that God's presence in our lives is nothing to be afraid of. That's what the writer of this psalm is saying. Think about one of the most often repeated commands in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Every time God shows up in the Bible, people freak out. Uh, you know, Jesus is coming, so look busy. The, uh, the freak out factor is, uh, is high in the Bible, but it's always met with this command, do not be afraid. And number two, uh, we're learning that we are to be a living image of that same reality in our own relationships here on earth. This is what it means to be the image of God in the world, to practice the way that he loves in our own relationships um, with those around us. Now, I know in our world today, it's very easy to think about how we live in, uh, globally. You know, we're so connected with information about people, groups, and situations, and um, things that are going on everywhere. You know, we have a, uh, we're living in a time in history where it is possible to be stressed out about something that's happening 10 states away uh, that doesn't even directly impact us at all. And it makes it very difficult for us to really drill down on this idea, this command, this call to love our neighbor as ourself. And it would do us some good to as we move throughout this year, to think about just the sphere of people around us, you know, our families, our co-workers, our neighbors. It doesn't mean we don't think about the problems and the situations in the world, but where we actually practice these things are uh, probably within 25 feet of us at all times. Uh, and so it's a, it's a, it's a discipline of narrowing down <laughs> uh, the world as we see it to the things that we can actually uh, uh, the things that we can actually do in the places where we can actually practice this. So, yeah. So those two things are important as we look at this psalm. We learn that God's presence in our lives is nothing to be feared and that we too can become a living uh, image of that reality in our own relationships here on earth. So I leave you with that. Grace and peace. Day to last as long as I can take